0: This is Claiming Your Voice with Janice Garrard. In this podcast, I feature guests with passionate stories of hope, inspiring others to claim their voice in a world where we can be bold together. Today, my guest is Polly Dietrich. She is a former music teacher, and she is also known uh, known on LinkedIn as the Notable Finance Lady. Thank you for being here today, Polly. And I think we're going to talk about music education.
1: Right. Right. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Janice.
0: So my first question for you is, what influences did you experience throughout your life that made you choose music as a career?
1: Well, it's a funny thing that I always liked music. And my dad was very musical and had played jazz trumpet. By the time I was born, he wasn't playing as much except lots of records. So I'd hear a lot of music at home. And we lived in St. Louis at that time and in one of those it was like three houses made a cor- in a courtyard sharp shape and somebody across the courtyard from us had an accordion school and they were friends of our families. And so at the age of five, I started playing, well, I wanted to play harp. And then my parents somehow talked me into that. That was the same thing as accordion, <laughs> <laughs> a lot easier for them anyway, because it was right <laughs> there across the lawn. So I started playing accordion when I was five years old. And I was successful at it. They brought me to, uh, there was one gathering where people would play for each other. And I played my little piece I was working on. I got a big reaction, oh, she's, and they got an outfit to wear and all this stuff. And I enjoyed that a lot. And uh, so that was the beginning of it. And then we moved up to Minnesota, back to uh, my family was from here originally. And there wasn't any accordion teachers around, but we got a piano. And so I started playing, and there was a piano teacher down the block, so I started taking piano lessons from her. Then when the opportunity to play an instrument in band came along, I saw that my mom would take me like to musicals, and I could see down into the pit, like from up in the balcony, that cool instrument that goes sideways, and it's like shiny silver. And I thought, that's cool, I like that one. Probably also because it has the melody a lot, so I In fifth grade, when it was time to choose choose an instrument at school, I picked flute. And a lot easier to transport than an accordion, too. (laughs) That's right. My dad got me a $70 flute out of the Sears catalog. Some people may remember what that is. And um, that was my first instrument. And I played on that for a while. And again, I, I seemed to do very well at it. So my band directors were very supportive of me. I finally, in ninth grade, I started taking private lessons and got into youth orchestras and went to music camp. One of the things I'm thinking about, about now about how my family operated was when I was in, must have been eighth or ninth grade, I tried out for Interlochen Music Camp, which is a big deal up in Michigan. And I didn't get in. You know, and at this time, you had to go in. I'd go into school and they'd had a reel-to-reel, you know, tape recorder. And it was, a, you know, quite an effort to do all that. And you can just do it on your stand in your studio like you can now. I didn't get in. And in our family, the the, the culture was just, well, you didn't get in. That's it. You never will. And I never tried to do that oh. again. So I look back on that now. And you know, when you learn about how to never give up, persevere, right. you know, don't, you know, I've got it right on my wall right here. If you fail, never give up, because F-A-I-L means first attempted at learning. Right. So <laughs> anyway, I look back on that, but I had lots of good experiences with it. I remember in was it ninth grade we had to talk about what we wanted to do you know for a career and I'm like I know there's no money but I'll be a musician so that's what, <laughs> so I was and so you know. were yeah and so when I was a senior I'd go in you know this was I graduated in 1970 and uh, you know there were no girls sports at that time there was no Title IX and I would go into my counselor at school and you know when they were talking about where you're going to go to college. And I'd say, I want to be a musician. Well, have you looked at the music education? I'm like, no, I want to be a musician. Yeah, I had that conversation with my dad. And he said, oh, I want to be a musician. He says, musicians are weird. I'm like, it's a little late for us to be having that conversation. I mean, I've been playing since I was five. And now I'm graduating from high school. So anyway, I did go to the University of Minnesota and studied music and music education. So I did both. I just have always been glad I did that. Uh, you know, you can learn other things on your own because that took up all my electives and everything and, mm-hmm. it, for five years it took to get that. Yeah, so that's how I got into music. <laughs> I was good at it. Sometimes I think, is this really what I want to do or is it just something I've kind of been shepherded into, you know, kind of let myself be led into because I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. But um, when I'm not doing music, I there's there's a hollow, there's something that's missing. So I call it the curse. The musical curse. So, <laughs> because um, it
0: becomes so ingrained into you that it's a part, it's a part. Yeah. Of, and
1: you, you have to do it, or, are. or you're, there's something missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: mm-hmm. So, I would say you, it sounds like you had some pretty strong influences uh, the encouragement of your father, and then mm-hmm. just h- having that music in your home all the time. I'm, you know, with the jazz recordings. Was your mother a musician also?
1: She was not. She's very unmusical. In fact, she tells the story of rocking my brother and singing lullaby or something and him reaching up and covering her hand up. Hand. <laughs> oh my God, She always liked the idea. She'd walk by, she told me once, she walked by the music building at the university when she was there and always thought that was really neat. She would like to have her kids play an instrument. So, so she was always very supportive. You know, I could get out of doing the dishes if I had to go practice and stuff like that. So that
0: was, so that was a good thing. That was a good thing. Yeah. So then, so you said that you went to your high school counselor and they said, have you looked and you wanted to be a musician? And they said, have you looked into music education? I find that kind of interesting how maybe we're guided sometimes to take the safe path because just striking out as a musician could be kind of maybe not as safe financially, uh, career wise. When they said that to you, what did you think about that?
1: I thought, forget it. I don't want to do that. But and then I went to my I I wanted to go to Oberlin because I knew they had good liberal arts as well as a music conservatory. I don't know how I got that in my head. Somebody must have I came across must have gone to Oberlin. I showed my dad the music catalog, you know, and the 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 class catalog and your requirements, and he looked at it and he said, "That's just vocational school." Well, I don't know what music education is if it's not vocational school, you know. So it, it kind of, but that was his excuse. I don't think he wanted to spend that much money or go to all that hassle. So that was always kind of a, a sadness for me that I didn't get to go. Later, as an adult, I went. I went to um, Eastman five years after I graduated from undergraduate school. I went off and and did get a master's degree at Eastman School of Music, in music performance, and that was wonderful. And so that really, that really was that filled my my kind of need and, and want for that.
0: So it sounds like it was a fulfilling experience for you personally, as well as musically.
1: Well, right, yeah, because, um, you know, you always wonder, do I have what it would take and to get to go there and do well, you know, and even getting in as an alternate, it's like some of the funnest things I've done as far as festivals and things like that, I've done as an alternate, even getting in there. There were only two graduate students, so it wasn't, you know, being an alternate was no shame. Yeah, that was very affirming, and it was great, you know, you get to play with these great orchestra, and there are all these jazz musicians that are great, and you get to have friends that, you know, know what the heck you're talking about, and care about, you know, the same things you care about, and, and then I ended up moving to New York City to study with the teacher I had met in between. Through him, I met my current husband, so now I'm married to another flutist, so who, you know, and we have that same kind of philosophy uh, of music and school of playing and stuff.
0: So your conversations, are probably centered around music, music performance, music education.
1: No, not really. It's more like, you know, somebody asked me like, oh, do you like to play together? I said it's kind of like Beirut. You know, I said, <laughs> <laughs> musicians are flutists are very competitive. As as my husband says, there are, you know, more people in the US Senate than there are professional flutists in the country. So, you know, it gets to be Your ego is really on the line. And I think now, after we've been married 38 years, you know, we kind of can take it as a partnership. And like we just did a a church job yesterday and we had a rehearsal, and I actually said something to him about, is your tuning right? And he came out after practicing the night before and said, You're right. I I was sharp. I needed to fix that. And I'm like, Oh my God, we've come to a new place in our relationship (laughs) where I can tell him something like that. So that was fun. But yeah, I mean, we, we kind of created it as being a partnership, you know, that's that's the context of it, it doesn't always feel that way. But. And so we got a professional flute duo, the Diedrich flute duo, um, and we got a lot, of, we used to do a lot of weddings, and we have a trio, and then in 08, that pretty much died, uh, dried up. I think people went from, you know, mom saying, oh, you got to have live music, to mom saying, oh, you're going to use your phone, aren't you smart? You know, so <laughs> your music so I think that whole culture changed in the music you know wedding music business really hopefully there
0: will be a revision of that because out. I think you cannot replace live music with a phone or a CD there's just
1: it doesn't have the same feel yeah, to yeah right so hopefully right and if they change. want more contemporary music and stuff I mean I arranged I did an arrangement of um how deep is our love with for two flutes and they loved it you know the <laughs> Bee Gees tune So, you know, you can do a lot of different things. So so I've done a lot of arranging for flute and trio, or for two flutes and for trio. That's rewarding to play stuff and have people enjoy it and um, that, that I've arranged. So when I taught, I got it right out of the university. I got a job teaching in a very small town in Minnesota, Morgan, Minnesota, as a town of a thousand. And so I was, I was not the elementary band teacher they had, or elementary music. They had somebody that you know played guitar and sang for the kids. But I did teach fourth grade recorders and then seventh and eighth grade general music and then band and choir for different ages and stuff. So never having been in choir much myself, that was learning experience too. So my first husband and I lived in a, on a farmstead and had chickens. That was our goal at the time. We wanted to be country dwellers that was a real learning experience. And we were there two years. I was very unfamiliar with that very conservative rural background, having grown up in the suburbs in a liberal family. And so we all had to adjust to each other, but we did. I really loved it when we got good results. You know, you take kids who didn't know anything about anything and all of a sudden they're singing some Bach or they're winning, winning, uh, you know, good ratings at, you know, the high school league contest performance and things like that. I just always love producing something that's worthwhile, you know, really. And I see in my own life now, I've created a purpose. I was in a seminar and we created our own purpose. Mine was, well, it was funny, Denise, because First, you've identified what your current purpose is that you've been living from. And I realized not only did I want to be right, but I wanted to know, everybody to know I was right. So I've always done classical music as opposed to jazz because there are rules for classical music. And mm-hmm. I know if I'm doing it right or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> and karate, I you know, because you get a belt when you're doing it right. And I, so I was good. At, I got karate. But what I instead of replaced that with was generating well-being. So that's my purpose now is to generate well-being. In the world for people, for myself, for my family, for you, <laughs> everyone. That's and, quite a um, paradigm
0: shift from going from being right to generating well-being. Well,
1: it's another way of being right. I mean, it's still you, you know, right, but it's it is a paradigm shift in where I'm coming from, definitely. And and so it's in music as a musician, as a teacher, I've been very successful as a private teacher, and my students have done very well. I've played with the Minnesota Orchestra, subbed with them. I'm Piccolo, of all things, and uh, that went okay, you know, and stuff like that, so I had some conversations with myself, even in high school, about is music a way to generate well-being in the world, you know, I didn't put it that way at the time, shouldn't I be going into social work, or, so, you know, this was the late 60s, and, you know, it, it was socially conscious, and all that, and um, I just decided, well, I'll just have to use music to do good, then after I was in that small town for a couple of years, I moved up to Roseville, where you're, acquainted with people Mm -hmm. um, and taught in the high school there and there was you know back then high school was three years and so I had the 11th grade band and this other guy and I was half time and the other teacher was taught the 10th and 12th grade and so he was full-time but to him full-time was 20 hours a day so I should have been 10 hours a day and so it was you know I had the rug pulled out from under me you know as far as authority and stuff like that but what's funny is after Christmas one of the students came up to me and said well, cause I was like the sixth person to have the job in five years. And you, Janice, you've been a music teacher. You know how, how security hungry teachers are, right? That's right. like the only reason people stay long-term in teaching, you know, in some cases mm-hmm. or in a lot of cases just because of the security. Cause you right. have, you know. Goes back to that safe to path. There. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I always thought I'd sit in this school and look around at the people and I was in the like faculty lunch and stuff and thinking, these are people that are creating the values in our children are the people that are taking the safe path in life. Anyway, that's a little side comment on Mm -hmm. educators. I think that's changed too. More and more people are more there as an expression of their wishing to make a difference in the world. So um, then I taught there for a year and oh, anyway, so I was the sixth person to have that job in five years. and, And right after Christmas, one of the teachers came up or one of the students came up and said, you know, Ms. Wenzel, we think you're doing a great job. You know, you're still here after Christmas. (laughs) Try as they could to chase me out. (laughs) Uh, Uh, So I took that as great, great compliment. And, um, you know, I had fun coaching the kids for the chamber music for the, you know, for the contest and they did well. And so that was rewarding too. I like that. And then I just decided I wanted, I didn't want to be a bad band director and i didn't want to take trumpet lessons <laughs> etc you know or i was had to teach somebody timpani i'm like oh i think i better read something about this so you know and i just thought mm, i don't want to be a you know kind of a half patootie band director so i think i'm going to just go into flute itself and then i applied for graduate schools and just taught privately for a year or two and then got and then that's that.
0: when you went to Eastman yeah okay And it was
1: interesting because at Eastman, to be in the music education, you had to play an instrument well enough that you would get into Eastman as a performance student, or at least there was some requirement. I don't know if it was quite as much, you know, quite the same level as the performance students, but you know, you Mm -hmm. they had a performance requirement, which is a a lot of the time people go into music education because they they're afraid to try to make it in, um, you know, in music, in as a performer. It's so competitive. Yeah, exactly. Which you know about that too. Mm -hmm. Now we now we can talk
0: about you as a music oh. <laughs> Well, I had a, another question for you. Um, okay. About when you're in public school, and I can comment on it also. But when you when you taught in public school, sometimes there the level of performance, and I guess I'll just say it is mediocre, because we're working with students who are developing, and I think the challenge is to the listener. They think that the student after one year of lessons should sound like a professional. And in that, it's a challenge. And then you have to let these people know this: it takes a lifetime of work, dedication, and you have to have that right combination to have a star performer or somebody who plays perfectly in tune or sings perfectly in tune. I guess I'm saying this more rhetorically, but um, did you ever find that to be true
1: while you were teaching public school? Well, I think I came into a situation that was pretty weak. So the first day I was there, I said, let's, oh, they, this, this small town, I started like the day after I graduated from college because they had a summer program. They played, they had this big wooden gazebo, screen gazebo, and the main street in Morgan is like double wide. I don't know if they thought they were going to be the capital someday or what, but they would put this right in the middle of the street, you know, you know, and I got there and we had to do a concert at the end of the week. So I got in there and I was like 22, not that much older than the students. And they were not all that, you know, this was still not all that much respect for women in in authoritative kind of positions. I said, "Okay, let's start with the Star Spangled Banner. And they're like, you don't want to hear that. (laughs) That was hard. They didn't want to start with that. So I really had nowhere to go but up. I was lucky that way. A funny story about
0: that. I knew a band director who, where the Star-Spangled Banner is like, what, in the key of B-flat on one side of the music and then it's A-flat on the other. So he gave half of his band the key in A-flat and the other in B-flat major and had him play it at the first football game. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then after that, he gave them all the right side. So it sounded- well,
1: then, see then that would make him only feel, sound better yeah. every time well he was a hero in the next challenge. time <laughs> only give a third of them the wrong one and then keep <laughs> that fourth until finally they've all got the right side and they sound right. great and it's going to be wow
0: <laughs> uh strategic planning on that yes yeah.
1: yes i never thought i had that much oh and then there was an interesting when i got to morgan also the so there was the summer concerts that we did every i can't remember some weeknight in the middle of the main road, which there only was one main road. And then in the fall, oh, and also in the summer, they marched in parades. I still remember we had white pants and they had green t-shirts that matched and I'd walk along as we'd march in these parades and yeah, I'd never done anything like that. So that was kind of fun. And the kids had done it. I didn't care how they sounded or anything. Nobody cared. It was just like fun in these other little, their little mm-hmm. towns, right? I, I, right. I, I, can't, I can't really even remember it that well. You know, back in the day, if I'd had a camera, I would, have been, <laughs> I would have been able to take good pictures. I don't think I have any. But then I found out I was expected to do marching band and that they wanted marching band shows during halftime. Well, I'd always avoided doing that. I always got to play an orchestra and stuff. And, oh, my mm-hmm. luckily the woman who was the Fayed teacher there, her husband was the band director in the next town over, which was Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. And he knew all that stuff. So I went over for an afternoon and he taught me how to do the grid paper and do the marching and the, how you teach them to, you know, go faster if they're on the outside of the, you know, uh, what do you call the wheel, the- Oh, like a pinwheel. Mm -hmm. Pinwheel, that's exactly what I want. And he saved my life. I don't know if I just went there once or more, but he taught me all that. So I was writing my own shows and all that kind of stuff for marching bands. So that was a trial by fire. That's right.
0: What would you say in conclusion then about what is the importance of music education?
1: You know, I think it's so sad now that people are saying that's not important. You know, one of the most important things about music education is the skills you learn, right? The discipline to practice the discipline. It uses different parts of your brain. And in fact, they say that when we're, is it nine or 10, our brain sloughs off billions of cells that haven't been used yet. And so if you start music younger or a language, learning a language younger than that, your brain's gonna keep all those cells and you've got more brains for one thing, but also it's got that part of the brain developed more. So I think just from a literal physical brain development, it's important, from listening. I heard something on NPR, one of those saying that, like playing in an orchestra is the highest functioning thing a human can be, can do. Cause you're listening, you're thinking about, you're feeling what your instrument is and you're, you're watching the conductor and you're, you know, it's like, it's really huge, you know, the coordination you mm-hmm. learn. But also I think what's so important about music education is then you become an informed consumer. And we music producers need- So we're talking about the importance of
0: music education and what it does for students as they develop. So if you wanna continue that thought.
1: Yeah, and actually um, what I was saying was that we end up with um, educated consumers, right? So people that know about music and wanna go to concerts, hopefully, hopefully they haven't had such hopefully. a bad experience, right, or they'll, or they'll come back to it, I have adult students that have come back to it after not playing for decades, or are just starting now, so that's really fun, and I was just, this whole thing with my computer just dying, and having to do this, reminded me of something else I was thinking about, Denise, that in this era, you know, in the last two, three years, I've been teaching on Zoom, and so my students are learning technology that they never learned before, one of my students, the teacher, instead of getting their music to bring home to practice would give them they he'd send it to them in an email and they'd look at their ipad you know their school school ipad that they were given to use then i learned how to make marks on it when we would practice together (laughs) you know and she'd have a lesson so you know it's also there's a kind of technology that they're being you know like for me i have the i had to get the pro as zoom so that i could teach lessons because you can get better sound quality and stuff Um, and so you know, it's, I think it it introduces people to a kind of technology they might not know either. Lots and lots of different parts of it.
0: Right. Just that holistic, the holistic part of, part of music. Thank you, Polly. And if people want to contact you, they can find you on LinkedIn at the Notable Finance Lady.
1: All right. Well, thanks so much, Janice. This has been really uh, a pleasure. Thank you so much.